So hello and welcome to this RCSLT podcast all about the What Works database. My name is Amit Kulkarni, I'm the research manager here at the RCSLT and today I'm with Mary Hartshorn, the director of impact at ICANN and chair of the What Works moderating group. Hello Mary. Hello. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good, good. So let's just get straight on with it. What exactly is What Works and how can it be useful to practitioners? Okay, so the What Works database is a, a moderated online library of evidenced interventions and all of those interventions aim to support children's speech, language and communication development. And that's all children and people, but also those with speech, language and communication needs. Okay. So in essence, it's like a, a one-stop shop for interventions, interventions that we know work for children's speech, language and communication. Yeah. So people use it to check out the evidence behind an intervention, um, an intervention they might be using, uh, but they also use it to search for an evidence intervention if they're working on a particular aspect of speech language communication. Okay. And it can do that because um, users of the database can search for interventions by target group, age range, the focus of the intervention, who it's delivered by, and what kind of format. Yeah. No, certainly I know as a, as a clinician, as a paediatric clinician myself, I found it invaluable sometimes to take an intervention and just find the intervention on the database and then think about the evidence base behind it, but also just to see what range of interventions exist out there uh-huh. and to start to understand that evidence as well. Yeah. Um, we've, we've talked a bit about the intervention side, but actually there are these two parts to what works. There's the intervention database and the training database. Could you tell us a bit more about those two, please? Yeah, and actually, originally, it was all one database. All of the, of the training and the interventions were there all together. And then, as we uh, recognised that the evidence for training was much less developed, well-developed, than for interventions, a few years ago, um, the two were separated out. Mm-hmm. So the criteria are slightly different. Um, for training... Uh, there still needs to be a recognised research design behind it, but it doesn't need to be as rigorous as for the interventions. So there's no need, for example, for a control group. Okay. Um, you, you definitely need to show the impact, but not on outcomes of children. Um, it's about showing the impact on a practitioner's knowledge or on their yeah. confidence or on their practice. So still a real evi- um, emphasis on evidence um, but in a slightly different way. Yeah, okay. And I can see how important that is. There's so many services that have really embraced the idea of training others to support children and young people with speech and language needs, and in fact maybe even made it a core part of their offer. But actually we, we really de- do need to understand the impact of this approach and also how to do that, how to perform that function as effectively as possible. Um, yeah, that's right. I think, you know, like you say, it's, it's a core part of what lots of practitioners do, and we do need to know that, that it has an impact, and yet there is limited evidence. So actually, hopefully, what, work, what, what, what works does is to really kind of stimulate that evidence as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it thinks about the interventions themselves. It also thinks about the evidence behind training approaches. I mean, you're, of course, preaching very much to the converted, but it sounds perfect. Um, <laughs> How exactly did What Works come about? It came about um, as part of a national research programme, the Better Communication Research Programme, um, back in 2012. Um, it was one of the reports as part of that programme. 
and the, that specific report um, was based on a survey of experienced practitioners and asked them what, what interventions they commonly use with children and young people. Um, then a research team examined the evidence behind those interventions and pulled it all together into a summary of best evidence. And at the same time, that research team pulled together the framework of what works. Okay, so just to get my head straight, so we had the Burko review in 2008, uh -huh. and that identified the need to think very carefully about provision for children and young people with SLCN. And from this, the government commissioned the Better Communication Research Programme, uh, and there was one part of the of the BCRP from which the What Works database was born. That's right. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Okay. All right. And then you said as well that it's within that work stream that the first set of interventions were identified by practitioners. Is that it, or kind of how do interventions get identified now? Basically, anybody who's developed an intervention or a training or professional development programme can submit it for consideration, as long as there is evidence to support its effectiveness. Um, many, but not all of them, are submissions by researchers because of that focus on, on, on evidence. Yeah. So there's, um, there's a very streamlined process for doing that. There's a form to complete, and that asks people questions about the intervention, so what it aims to achieve how it's been evaluated, what the outcomes are for children. It asks very specifically about the research design. And there, people are asked to also send in any reports or, or journal articles that support that intervention. There's loads of guidance about how to do that. And a checklist of the criteria um, used to make a decision about whether it goes into what works or not. Mm -hmm. At the time of submission, um, people who, who submit their interventions, they're asked to make a judgment about the level of evidence they feel is behind the intervention. Yeah. So just to explain that, um, what works has some very clear descriptions of different levels of, of evidence. Mm -hmm. People can say their intervention has strong evidence, and that's if it includes at least one systematic review plus subsequent trials. Mm -hmm. They could say they feel it has a moderate level of evidence, and that's if there is a single randomised control trial or a, a quasi-experimental design. Yeah. Um, or they can say it has an indicative level of evidence, and that still means there needs to be quite a level of evidence behind the, uh, the intervention. Yeah. Um, there needs to be um, evidence to show that the results are show a statistically significant difference and also that it includes some kind of control measure. Yeah. So it's really possible to say that it's that intervention that made the difference for children and not um, something else. Yeah, I see. Okay. So just to go into a bit more detail with those different designs. So a systematic review is a methodical, comprehensive review of all the evidence, in this case the evidence behind an intervention, and if that exists, then the intervention could be rated as strong. A randomised control trial or an RCT is a, is a very carefully controlled study that uses established design principles like random assignment and blinding to maximise the robustness of the research design mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and therefore the probability that any changes observed during the study are directly a result of the intervention. A quasi-experimental study is similarly designed to an RCT but hasn't been able to use a random assignment. And for either the RCT or the quasi-experimental studies, if you have evidence in that area, then the intervention could be rated as moderate. That's right, yes. And then at that indicative level, 
This still requires carefully carried out research evidence published in a peer-reviewed journal, but this might be something more like a case series design or a case study, something like that. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's really, people often get confused by that indicative. They'll think it means, oh yeah, there's just indications that it's effective. Yeah. It actually, as you have described there, still needs quite a level of evidence in order to be yeah. rated at that level. Yeah, which of course makes sense yeah. if it's going to be um, suggested to the community that they, yeah. they use this. Okay, so I'm imagining I've developed my own intervention, thinking of submitting, all my ducks are in order, I've done my research, it's been published in a peer-reviewed journal, I've completed all the paperwork for what works and submitted it. Who am I submitting this intervention to? Right. In the, well, in the first instance, it goes into the What Works team, project mm -hmm. team, um, who will look at that and then they will send it out to one of our moderating group. So the moderating group is a group of highly authoritative academics. So we've got James Law, Julie Dockrell, Anne Clark, Deborah Gibbard, and also yourself as a representative of RCSLT. Yeah. Um, each submission is assigned to one of one of a member of the moderating group. And sometimes if it's a really in-depth study with lots and lots of evidence, it will get assigned to two members. And they consider that application and then make a recommendation to the wider group, the wider moderating group. That group meets roughly around three or four times a year. And at those meetings, um, there'll be some dis discussion um, about the submission um, and they will come to some decision. It may be that they agree with the, the level of evidence that's been um, proposed. It may be that they'll have a different idea. Yeah. But whatever, they'll look at and see whether it meets the criteria for what works. Yeah. And as you can imagine, I can confirm there is lots of great <laughs> around any of the interventions that are submitted. But I think the good thing is the criteria is straightforward yeah. and clear. So we've always been able to reach agreement as yes. to whether the intervention meets any of our levels of evidence and if so at, at what level it, yeah. it does sit. Um, so we, we've in fact talked quite a lot about the criteria but it, there are other what work centres and they do use slightly different and sometimes require slightly stronger criteria. How was the criteria decided upon for this what works? Yeah I mean as you described, that there are a lot, there are criteria for other um, databases, similar databases, and the criteria have similar descriptions. But what the team um, decided when they were developing the criteria was to take quite a very, uh, quite a pragmatic approach um, when developing these benchmarks. I think they wanted it to, to be a really, really useful tool. They wanted to be as uh, to give um, users a real sense of where there was really good evidence. But they also wanted it to reflect the state of play in terms of the research in the field of speech, yeah. language and communication. In research terms, it's a relatively new field, researching speech, language communication. So there isn't masses and masses and masses of evidence. What they didn't want was there to be a database with just a few interventions that met yeah. these really, really quite high criteria. Yeah. So I think there's a, there's a really good balance there between... A, a, a definitely a level of rigour but also something which is going to mean there's, there's lots of really practical interventions there. Yeah and I think with our um, you know the very varied client group that we work with mm -hmm. there is a lot to be learned from some of those sort of what some of those research designs that would traditionally be considered lower down in the evidence hierarchy uh -huh. but nonetheless can give us really detailed information great kind of practice-based starting points to inform our work. Yeah. Um, Okay, so 
I submitted my, um, developed my intervention, completed the paperwork, submitted it all. What if the moderating group actually think it's insufficient evidence behind the intervention? Well, hopefully, um, well, actually, definitely, a submission wouldn't get as far as the moderating group if there was if there was no evidence. That kind of initial sifting would be done by the What Works team. Um, but you know, the submission form and guidance are really clear about what what needs to what needs to be in place. So hopefully, it won't happen that often. Yeah. Um, however, there, there are, as you say, there are times when the moderating group just aren't clear, they don't feel they've got enough of a sense of the intervention, the evidence that's been sent in to make a decision. And in those cases, they would um, give feedback to the people that have submitted it, hopefully very constructive feedback, mm -hmm. um, may have a conversation with them, just to either get more evidence or to get clarity around some of the evidence that's been submitted. And sometimes it may be um, a suggestion that they carry out a little bit more um, research to get a bit more evidence so so we can be really certain about what level it goes in at on the on the database. Okay, okay, sounds good. Um, so I know that something we have to focus on because it comes up so much is this issue of evidence ratings and effect sizes. Tell us a bit more about these and, and how these pieces of information differ. Okay. Um, this, this came about um, because of feedback that we, we got through one of our surveys that we did when users of What Works told us that sometimes the evidence ratings could be quite confusing. Um, a strong evidence rating doesn't necessarily mean that it's likely to work, which sounds really counterintuitive, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. You can have really, really strong evidence that something doesn't work. Yeah. And for a database that's called What Works, that sometimes yeah, feels a little confusion. bit confusing. Yeah. yeah. It is the, the rating is always based on the level of evidence which supports that intervention. Okay. Um, so, we, sorry, go on. Oh, so, so I just wanted to confirm. So, the evidence rating really is only commenting on the, the research design and the level of evidence behind the intervention. So, yeah. was it a systematic review, i.e. could it be strong evidence? Is it an RCCT or quasi-experiment, moderate evidence? Or is it some other level of robust research design, i.e. indicative evidence? Or That's what it's commenting upon. The moderating group also consider if the study was carried out sufficiently well, but the overall evidence rating does not tell you whether, in fact, the intervention helped the children and young people in that study with their speech, language and communication needs. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And obviously, in the majority of the interventions, it is saying the strength of evidence is related to how yeah. um, the evidence that it was effective. Yeah. Uh, but there are some where it, it's evidence to say that it, that it doesn't work. Yeah. Exactly. So we've got the um, evidence rating, which tells you about the strength of the evidence. Then we need to think about actually what was the impact of that intervention for the people, That's in that, right. children and young people in that study. For this we need to consider? Yeah, so a few years ago we started adding an effect size calculation and that really is aiming to help users to interpret um, children and young people's outcomes for the interventions based on the strength of the effect, so just what you're saying, um, how effective it was. An effect size number is a number representing the size of a research result, the difference between the, 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 um, the group of children who had the intervention and those who didn't, the control group. Mm -hmm. It shows not just whether an effect is statistically significant, but also the strength or size of that effect. Okay. Okay, so 
let's say I find a vocab intervention on there and let's imagine I've checked it out and the evidence rating it suggests is strong. So when I know I can have some faith in what the evidence says about that intervention. So I, I could then maybe look at the effect size and let's imagine it's something like 0 0.5. The fact that this is a positive number, i.e. more than zero, means the children and young people in the intervention group of that study maybe learn more words or learn them more effectively than those in the control group. Now, I, that's correct, isn't it, firstly? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, now, then I know there's lots of debate around effect sizes in the academic community, but what works, we're saying, if the size, if the effect size itself is zero, up to 0 0.2, we consider that a small effect. If it's up to 0 0.4, we consider, so if it hits 0 0.4, then it's a moderate effect. If it is 0 0.8, it's a large effect. But actually backtracking slightly, anything over 0 0.4 is considered a strong enough effect that it could well be repeated in a, in a clinical situation. Mm -hmm. That's correct, isn't mm -hmm. it? Okay. And then I think that's still not the full story. That's still not the green light to totally go ahead. Still, you need to look at the intervention, possibly, in fact, the papers behind the intervention in more detail to, to have a think about how the study was carried out and whether it might work, therefore, for that particular child or young person in front of you. So, for example, let's say <coughs> the effect size is 0.5, as we've said. However, we then look into detail and the intervention costs millions of dollars, don't know where I got dollars from, millions of pounds to carry, <laughs> to, um, carry out. And maybe it was uh, required lots of intervention. Maybe it was kind of intervention four times a week for six months. And but you as a as a clinician, though you're not able to provide that, then you would take that into consideration when you, when you're considering whether to um, include it in your battery of, of intervention tools. That's right, and, and I think what we aim to do through the What Works database is to really give the users enough information for them to be able to make those informed decisions based on what they want. Yeah. So okay. all that information you talked about, pulled together with, we also um, we also um, post case studies from people who've used interventions which which really bring the interventions alive in a practical situation again to help users decide is this the intervention for me yeah all that information okay okay i think we've touched on this already but we've basically said haven't we that what works is not full we are continuing to look for more interventions yeah always looking for um, for more interventions. We really want the site to be um, really dynamic, really useful, to really reflect what's going on in practice. Um, we take submissions all through the year. There's no specific time or specific deadline, but the moderating group do only meet three or four times a year, so there may be a lapse between wh whenever you submit an intervention and when you get a decision. Um, what we've tried to do more recently is to make sure we have a continuous flow of interventions being submitted. We know that researchers and developers can be really busy, um, so we commissioned somebody to source some submissions through a systematic, uh, looking at a recent systematic review. And they've um, submitted those interventions in exactly the same way as everybody else, so they use the same criteria, the same submission form, the same process, it goes through exactly the same stages not fast-tracking it, but it just means that we always have a number of interventions 
um, to look at and make a decision at, at the moderating group meetings. Okay, and the plans are for that to continue? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in both of those ways, so st still people can submit, but we'll also go about actively searching yes. as well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, you've touched upon some of those other features that What Works has. I think you mentioned the case study. Studies, yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about that any further and then some of the other yeah. features. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I won't say more about case studies. That, that's there as an additional feature of What Works, hopefully to, to make that more useful and accessible. Yeah. Um, we're always looking for different ways to really encourage people to use it, not just to come once, but to come again and again. So... Um, We've just added a search function. It's always had an ability to search in terms of age, in terms of um, level of need. But what we've done now is introduced a keyword search function, which means it'll be even easier to find the intervention yeah. that you want. Um, we also try and put information on the website, which helps people to see just how useful what works is mm. um, so if there's a new bit of legislation or something new happening we'll try and link what works to it so just for example when the special needs system in England was reformed in 2014 we put some information about how what works could really help people meet the requirements of the revised uh, code of practice mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. and then every two years um, we do a survey of users of what works yeah. and that's an additional feature if you will that, that helps us to really keep what works useful to those users okay so so tell us about the findings of this survey what's what's the feedback you're getting well we we ask a number of questions about who uses it and how it's used and some of those findings aren't surprising at all probably um, majority of users are speech and language therapists mm -hmm. growing number of speech and language therapy students and also a growing number of um, people with an education background and overall, people are telling us they find it really useful. They say it influences their practice, and particularly they find it useful for checking evidence, looking for new interventions as part of their CPD. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it kind of confirms <clears throat> it's still useful, but it also gives us some really useful feedback around how we might change it in the future. Yeah, and certainly that's my experience from both from clinical practice, using it and seeing the rest of the team use it, but also... It's great to hear from my role here as a research manager that people are really embracing this as a, as a tool to consider the evidence. Mm -hmm. I think as well it's really good to, um, you know, kind of think about the fact that the effect size graphic was added in response to user feedback. So it's, it's great to publicise that, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, are there any future plans for what works? Um yeah, I mean, the, the, this is always an agenda item at moderating group meetings. We're always thinking about, you know, can say what next? Yeah. Um, largely, they come from the findings of the survey. So just for example, I was saying there's a growing number of people from an education background accessing the site, but it's small. Yeah. So we really want to explore ways of attracting more users from education. And that might mean we want to uh, focus submissions on interventions that have been trialled in an education setting, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, we really want to, what we found in the survey was that there's just a small number of commissioners of, service, of services that use the database. It would be great if we could make the information more accessible to people who are planning services. Yeah. So we're doing some thinking around what that means. What, what does that look like in terms of the information which might be in a format which is useful? If those people who plan services do so using 
interventions and approaches which have an evidence base that's got to be good news yeah um, so that, that's that, that's just a couple of ways that we're thinking of looking ahead yeah and I think they're all really important considerations as as is that maintenance of the sort of contemporary nature of the database and ensuring it tries to capture the latest interventions that are out there okay so we're running out of time so summing up what what would you say is your advice for speech therapists or others working with children and young people with SLCM and how to get the very best out of what works okay right this is my chance to really sell what works (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I would say a visit regularly we are trying to keep the site dynamic so there's new stuff up there sign up to our alerts or uh, follow us on social media so that you know when there's new interventions there Think about different ways of using the uh, database a bit more flexibly. So, for example, we know that some services use it as a CPD tool. They draw down entries and use them for discussion in their team meetings. Um, Take part in our surveys. Tell us what you think. Uh, Think about sending in a case study if you've used an intervention and uh, want to tell us how that works in practice. Case studies aren't really, really long and complex. There's a format to follow, which is really just helping people to see what they look like in practice. And then finally, I think if you're using um, a well-evidenced intervention, but you know it's not on what what works, tell us. Uh, We want it to reflect current practice, and we could really um, help to make sure there's a submission with that intervention coming to the moderating group. Yeah, and I'd just add as well, picking up on some of the points you've previously made, mention it to the teachers to the early years practitioners to the parents that you're working with so so they can see that you're carefully considering your intervention choices um maybe if you're a manager of a service you could direct head teachers senior uh-huh. leadership teams leas commissioners towards it to help them get a sense as you've said of what interventions are out there what's required in order to enable you to deliver them um, certainly I feel that um, in my discussions with therapists uh, across the UK, people are totally committed to trying to take an evidence-based approach to practice, but people are very busy and the volume of research out of there is huge. And people are clamouring for this kind of evidence summary type approach uh-huh. in order to help them with their, to understand the research evidence and and to help them to take an evidence-based approach to practice. And it's fantastic that What Works can provide this type of summary for us. Um, I think it's worth saying it, it's not the kind of sign-off endorsement of the intervention. That's not the intention of it. It doesn't do the whole job for us. We still need to carefully consider whether the evidence presented resonates with, with us, with our clients, with their situation. We need to use our clinical expertise consider patient preferences as part of that EBP approach but as a tool to help us to do this it's immensely useful. Um, Mary it's been a pleasure talking to you and I hope this will have inspired listeners either to start using what works or to develop their use of it. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you and I look forward to the deluge of submissions (laughs) and the increased use of database. Thank you. Thank you so much Mary.